Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Billboard Charity Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. Uh, why are you tweeting about graham crackers? Just hungry? Just- uh, wow. I wanted other people's opinions on their flavor of choice of graham crackers. Were you trying to decide which one to buy and you wanted to be on the, the cool side and pick the one that people like? Yeah, because you know... Who if they come over to my house and see those, you know, cinnamon yeah, graham crackers or whatever. Kind. I mean, just, yeah, the cool points just go out the window. No, I just happen to, this is amazing if you're actually going to sit through this story, but uh, I just happen to be at Whole Foods over the weekend. Shout out to uh, Jeff and the and the whole the Whole Foods team. And uh, I just happened to see they were on sale and I saw that there were cinnamon and honey. And it's one of those things that like you, like, I guess when you think of graham crackers, you just think of like graham crackers. And, I, and it, it hit me. I was like, "Oh yes, there are, there are like multiple iterations of graham crackers, both most commonly cinnamon or honey." And then it just got to me like, because I was thinking, I guess which which ones would I buy? Oh, I guess I would personally probably buy the cinnamon ones. And I was thinking, but is that, is that like, do most people do that? Do like, is that is that in, like I saw a lot of honey boxes, and so it got me thinking twice about I I really have not thought about like what kind I would buy, and so it led me to wonder. What do do just just one of those things that that has no point, but just curious. What do most people like? Do they like cinnamon or honey graham crackers? Uh, so I said I'm a cinnamon fan. By the way, the, the poll's unfortunately over by now. What did y'all buy? I I'm, I guess I'm overall I'm, I'm more of a, a honey graham cracker person, and and uh, with cream cheese you put on it, or, or even or, or margarine or butter, so it gives a little. Little, little salty, sweet, something with what it. What kind of Great Depression did you grow up in? That Eating was... graham crackers and butter and margarine. I haven't thought about this. That don't even sound that... good. No, it tastes really good. Try it. No, it. Uh, ooh, we might have to do a, some sort of if we do a live edition or something. Well, for Gary's birthday, we'll bring in graham crackers and margarine. We'll have like a little graham cracker bar. Make your own, yeah. you know, make your own graham cracker. Hmm. Well, the one thing I thought maybe you're doing this is because. Uh, Drake is in the news. New album's out. Here we go. Aubrey, Drake, Graham. Has nothing to do with that? Am I giving you too much credit? Yeah, not the, not the, not Drake week yet, nor 
was that a connection merited? You can take credit if you want. It's, it's, you can have it. But you came here for some music news. And oh boy, do we have a good week on the charts for you. Last week, we actually wrapped up our first semester of the year with a little fishbowl game. We actually had a question about who was the chart MVP so far this year. Uh, I know a lot of people, of course, are thinking Drake, and there'll be plenty of Drake to talk about next week. I went out on a limb, said somebody else. So we'll talk about that in particular, involving a brand new number one this week. Special guest this week, we're going to have Mike Adam of Fresh 1027 here in New York. Uh, Mike hosts in the afternoon, so we're going to talk radio, one of our favorite topics here about uh what got him into radio, the current state of it, and of course, as always, what changes radio needs to make to uh, compete with streaming in the future and keep the listenership up. So we'll get into all of that with him, and uh, we'll talk about some of the really prominent guests that he's interviewed, including one who recently lived at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So if you want to hear about that, be sure to stay tuned. We'll give out some partisan affiliations, not the current resident, but someone who was there a couple years ago. Uh, and uh, July 4th week kind of plays in, I uh, suppose. Uh, is that related to our flashback this week, Trevor? Uh, it does. We are going to look at one of Gary in particular, one of his favorite American institutions that began this week back in 1970. Um, if you've been a fan of the show and seen some of our special episodes, you too may get a nice history lesson about uh, where one of our favorite formats made its nationwide mark. All right. Here's this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Number ten. Number nine. God's plan. I hold back sometimes I won't. I feel good sometimes I don't. Number eight. Number Number five. Number four. Number Number two. Number one. 
All right, somewhat along the lines of what we saw with Bodak Yellow, we saw it kind of making its way up the chart, getting closer every week, stepping, stunting. But was it going to get there? Ooh, people weren't quite sure. And once again, we have sort of a case of deja vu. The song I Like It, Cardi B, been making its way up the chart for a while now. Got stuck behind us, Drake, Post Malone. We see a couple of things behind it moving up. People weren't sure if it was going to get to number one. Indeed, it has Rejoice, Barty Gang, I Like It. That's Cardi B, Bad Bunny, J Balvin, all coming together to get that new number one song this week. Uh, for those, of course, keeping track of Cardi's resume, that is her second number one on the Hot 100 after Bodak Yellow last fall. And with those two number ones in just nine months, Cardi B already making chart history as the first female rapper to hit number one twice. Uh, there were four female rappers before her that all got to number one, but each of them could only get to the top spot one time. Uh, of course, talking with Lauren Hill back in 1998 with Doo Wop That Thing, which was the first time that we'd seen a female rapper get there all by herself. No other acts build on the song. All right, skip ahead three years to 2001, Lady Marmalade, uh, Christina Aguilera, Maya, and Pink. Of course, we're not rappers, but Little Kim, who is? So Little Kim was the second one. Uh, 2003, Shauna had the featured role on Ludacris's Stand Up, which was a number one for one week then. And uh, before Cardi came along, most recently with Iggy Azalea and the song Fancy, seven weeks at number one back in 2014. So Cardi B, the first person to get to the top spot twice. All right, Nicki Minaj fans doing okay with this news this week? Um, I have not been around able to check to check Twitter yet. I feel like there obviously will be a conversation. There's a really a big conversation about Nikki jumping in that girl's DMs apparently over the weekend that really also has Nikki swirling around in the news. So, um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the Nikki haters will rejoice in this news, even if, you know, even if they're not Cardi supporters for the people who out there who... For whatever reason, feel like they have to stick it to Nicki Minaj. I'm sure this this will be a tweet and a fact that they will hold on to very, very happily in their week. It's sort of like uh, I'm gonna way back reference, but I've sort of seen cases on the charts where uh, there's an artist who's been out a little bit longer, and then someone who sounds you know, similar genre comes along and and they get that number one, and the other artist hasn't. So what I'm thinking is uh, John Mellencamp back in the early '80s got to number one. Bruce Springsteen never did. Ooh, let's, <laughs> was that the was that the Cardi Nikki battle a, of the day? But they were writing angry telegrams to each other and everything. Uh, Stat, you mentioned at the end of last week's podcast, uh, she's the first female artist with two number ones from a debut album since Lady Gaga back in two thousand nine. Yeah, overall artists, it's uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, two thousand thirteen. They had a couple. Uh, Bruno Mars uh, was the last uh, soloist before that in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. But yeah, going back to uh, Just Dance and Poker Face from the fame back in 2009 for Gaga. So uh, along with first female rapper to have two number ones to do something that hasn't been done uh, in almost a decade since Lady Gaga and how big she was when she uh, just exploded onto the scene uh, shows you again kind of where Cardi B is this quickly. Just commence your feet to skate Pick up your arms and make a shake
taking it back way further. Uh, those who know I like it obviously knows that its foundation is a song called I Like It Like That uh, from way back in 1967, the first iteration by Pete Rodriguez. Actually, the song became a Hot 100 hit about 30 years later in 1997 uh, by the Blackout All-Stars, which also included Tito Nieves, who had a solo version as well. So this track has gotten around a couple times before uh, before Cardi B took it on and helped take it all the way to number one. Or if you don't know those recordings, you may know it from the 1994 film called I Like It Like That. This is a title that just keeps giving and giving. Or you may know it from a 1996 Burger King commercial. So I Like It Like That. Bit of a history, a lot of versions, a lot of pop culture reference. And now once again, 2018 updated and now number one. I was going to say how uh, how rare we always say it is for, for remakes nowadays, but uh, we actually talked about how songs take pieces. So this isn't a, a straight remake, but uh, Nice For What was just recently number one. We were talking about Lauren Hill. So there's a recent song again that takes a little bit something familiar from the past. Taylor Swift last year, Look What You Made Me Do with a little portion of uh, I'm Too Sexy as well. So it's actually happening sort of uh, repeatedly here in the last year or so. Got to use my soothsayer, go on a limb, say next week, Drake. Taking Mariah Carey from 1991, Emotions, right. for the song Emotionless. So a pretty easy connection there to make. Um, has not, you know, has not officially made the Hot 100 yet, but based on Drake's trajectory, it looks, and based on how high it is on all the Spotify playlists, looks like a very safe bet to be on the charts somewhere next week. So, yeah, I mean, in an era where covers are very hard to come by in a lot of the uh, mainstream pop formats, sampling is still strong and maybe stronger than ever. All right. Uh, numbers wise, kind of interesting that uh, I like it. It's actually not number one in any of the three main metrics for the Hot 100. It's not number one in streaming, sales or airplay. Uh, it's number two in sales, number three in streaming, and it hits the top 10 in airplay this week. But uh, just one of those weeks, sometimes we're if you're strong enough in each metric, uh, you can overtake uh, something that's number one in any one of those uh, specifically. So uh, Sad by XXX, Tentacion, still number one in streaming, uh, the middle number one in airplay. Uh, Maroon 5, Girls Like You, number one in sales. So uh, three kind of very different songs, number one in each metric. But uh, I like it as doing so well overall. It's able to make its way to the top. Okay, a couple more points on I Like It. We get a nice little shout out in the lyrics. Uh, goes a little something like this from our friend Jay Balvin. Right, now, for those of us who are not fluent in Spanish, uh, that line roughly has a translation of don't play dumb. You've seen my face on the cover of Billboard. Uh, and for those who are holding on to the April 29th issue from last year in 2017, you will very much see Jay Bovin's face on the cover of Billboard. So the man isn't a liar. All right. Uh, the other thing is uh, Jay Balvin and Bad Bunny, they each get their first number one on the Hot 100. So uh, Jay Balvin had hit number three last year with Mi Gente, with Willie William featuring Beyonce. Now he's number one for the first time. Uh, Bad Bunny got to number 36. So uh, first number one for each artist. Favorite stat about this? Can't wait to hear it. It's the first time we've had a bunny at number one since. Eddie Rabbit, 1981. I love it, Randy. Eddie Rabbit. Wow. Okay. And uh, also, shout out, I think, and one thing that kind of gets lost in the story of I Like It is this is really, 
feels like sort of a grassroots number one, which is kind of nice. When the, the album Invasion of Privacy first came out, this really was the song that streamed the best that had not already been out yet. People didn't know about. Debuted at number eight on the Hot 100 just that week alone, so people were really feeling the track. Um, whether or not you know they planned on making it the next single, they at least listened. They figured it out. They figured out this is what people want. Shot a video for it. Got it to radio relatively quickly. And now we're seeing it pay off. So, you know, it's a good lesson, I think, for a lot of other artists um, who especially kind of have, you know, put out an album, may think that they have a, a certain set idea of what the singles need to be. You pay attention to some of these streaming charts in particular, you might just get a number one. Yeah. And Despacito last year, we really wondered, is this, uh, is it just in a vacuum? But then we saw Mijente be a big hit. And then we saw Havana go to number one. We now have uh, Jay Balvin and Bad Bunny at number one on the Hot 100. So, uh, again, maybe uh, the Despacito effect, maybe it's just, there's a lot of good music coming from artists in the Latin uh, genre. So another Latin-based, uh, in part, number one. It's a lot of English in the song, but some Spanish as well. This is it's getting to be a regular thing now, top the Hot 100. All right, if you listen to the podcast before, you know one of our favorite topics to discuss is the giant question mark surrounding radio. So let's bring in somebody who works in radio and get his thoughts on the current landscape and uh, not only that, we're not just going to you know, grill them for, for what the future of radio is, but we're actually going to talk about some of the very, very notable guests that he's had the pleasure of interviewing. So we're going to bring in our friend Mike Adam, afternoon talent on WNEW here in New York, which for those local natives, you may know as Fresh 1027. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope you don't mind that uh, intro music, uh, Mike. Uh, I, I figured uh, uh, she's fresh. It's about as close as I could get to fresh one. He's fresh. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love work. it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, welcome uh, to the Bilbo Chappie Podcast, uh, Mike you. Adam. Uh, afternoons on uh, Fresh 1027, WNEW, uh, classic call letters here in New York. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Opie and Anthony. I mean, there's there's so much uh, history that comes with those call letters. It's cool. So uh, can I already tell just uh, a minute in we've made the mistake of having someone who sounds so much better than us? I appreciate that. <laughs> so you've been at Fresh uh, since what, last September, right, Mike? Yeah, we're creeping up on a year. It's just been um, insane. I've been with uh, CBS Radio and now Entercom for, for a little while. I was doing Philly Radio for them and then uh, 
I fell victim to a format change and then they were like, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to expand your role in New York. And uh, I was doing um, fill in and part time for fresh for a little bit. And then they brought me on full time. So it's just been this like whirlwind. Really cool. I was reading you were uh, sleeping at the radio station for, for about three weeks, which a uh, former radio person myself uh, it didn't surprise me. It becomes a second home when you work in radio. It's so funny. I, I've learned no, no matter how far along you come in your radio career the the sleeping on the couch aspect of it will never be far away yeah. and uh you, you know i think i think my now boss um radio legend jim ryan he he was trying me out in different day parts and really kind of he knew i was a workaholic but i think you know every once in a while they want to see how they could bend you and i was like let's go i got my stuff packed i was like you know i got got this blanket found a couch and uh became very close with the overnight janitors during that period yeah <laughs> Well, that's a, a radio station. It, it always feels like a living, breathing thing where you, there's there's always something going on. Even at three in the morning, it's still on the air. So it's kind of comforting. It's, it's always there. Absolutely. Especially in the building we're in, you got like uh, 1010, you have all, all these legendary news stations and they're just going like sleep isn't a thing. Yeah, especially in New York. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, I want to ask you about your background, but what's what have you found is different about doing uh, afternoons or just radio in general uh, in New York City? Does it have a different vibe about it? Yeah, um, it's just it, it's very wild to me. This was always the dream. So I, I grew up in southern Connecticut, um, you know, listening to Howard Stern, Elvis, uh, Wendy, Star and Buckwild, um, uh, Angie Martinez. And to be on these airwaves sharing a market with these people that are larger than life. Like I was listening to DJ clue and funk flex and Angie Martinez while buying their albums at FYE and then listening to them on the, that blows my mind. So it's just a pinch myself moment every day. And I think the, the difference of being on air in New York City and compared to anywhere else is just uh, the landscape of radio here. Uh, you know, people don't use cars. So right. anywhere else in the country, you have that listenership here. It's uh, so much public transportation that it's a, a really um tough feet to, to kind of tackle and you're you're looking at new jersey and connecticut a lot for listenership and new york it's kind of the boroughs but who's listening in manhattan you right. know what i mean so it's it's very uh it's very challenging and plus all you have in new york city is heritage radio stations these you know, if you're, we've been on air for, I don't know what, 10 years as fresh. We are the babies. We are new kids on the block. We're going up against 30 years. Right. Stuff, you, you got BLS, you have Z100, uh, you know, so it's, you just have these mammoth stations you're competing against. Yeah, I think it was actually uh, January 2nd, 2007, that Fresh signed on, which I, it's like a pun, it's like a numerical pun, 1027. The, the man has never met a pun he doesn't like. <laughs> That's I, easy to remember. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've heard about doing radio in New York. You're sort of, uh, even though you're in market number one, you're kind of broadcasting to, to Long Island and, and New Jersey. It's, it's really all the families, especially for an adult top 40 station, uh, who are probably listening, not necessarily in the city. Yeah, it's it's very mind blowing. And it, it was I was surprised um, ha having been fortunate enough to only do radio in Connecticut, Philadelphia and New York. I was surprised how many people would be like, hey, 
I I listened to you on WKSS in in Connecticut, and that's so cool. You're on in New York now, or people in uh, Central Jersey that are like, I listened to you for years in in Philadelphia, and now I can listen to you on Fresh. And it's just it's really crazy, um, you know, the overlap that uh, these markets have. You know, Philadelphia, Connecticut, Long Island, and and New York. They share such a big audience. Right. It's almost like one big Northeast market. I, I'm up in Connecticut. I can hear Boston AM stations. It's uh, it, it just uh, obviously so much competition of, of so many different media, but just radio itself here. There's you know, 10 different markets coming in. Yeah. And they're all big markets, you know, right. it's cool. How'd you uh, get into radio to begin with? Um, I was actually, I was uh, doing music and DJing um, when I was in high school and I would wind up in all these clubs that I shouldn't have been in because I was underage and I, I would just uh, make friends with a lot of the radio hosts and, and people hosting club nights and stuff like that. And uh, I ended up becoming friends with a lot of them and they were like, hey, you know, you're you're pretty natural at being in front of people and, and talking and you have a personality. Did you ever think about radio? And I was like, no, but I hate school. So maybe <laughs> this is a way out for me. Um, so I ended up not going to college. I went to, uh, you know, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, which I mean, to be honest with you the best thing that came out of that was really they guaranteed an internship okay and that's how i got my internship uh with clear channel and and then it was just you know grinding out and working my way up the ladder is it uh, a matter of you just wind up uh, learning on the job is that totally kind of what uh, it is? you know radio is very much that um it's kind of like hey you're, you can't learn how to be on air until you do a 4 a.m sunday shift and suck horribly and then get better over time you know What's the biggest mistake you think you made in your first year? Oh, dead air. Absolutely. I mean, everybody has any radio person has nightmare stories with that. And, uh, you know, I, I was doing a weekend shift and uh, I, I thought we I thought we were on air still because I I had at that time we were playing um, off CDs for like uh, we had pre-recorded uh, DJ mixes, so we were playing the the mix. It was like Club Kiss, and we were playing the mix off the CD. And I heard it in the studio, but I didn't have the pot uh, up, so the pot was down. And like I heard it playing in the studio, just no one in right. Connecticut did. <laughs> and somebody from the our sister station uh, from Power One Hundred Four One at the time ran down the hallway, and he was like, "Is everything okay?" I was like, "Yeah, it's fine, man. What's up?" And he was like you're not on air and i was like well i guess everything is not okay can no. we fix that yeah and so it's just a i mean it's really i scratch my head at how i got past that and was still employed and and where i am today oh. <laughs> talking about uh, uh bad moments uh, on the air dead air uh do you have the radio dream it seems like everyone in radio has the dream that is it dead that air so funny i was just watching the uh the Howard Stern interview um, with what's his name on Netflix. Uh, Letterman. Yes. Yeah. And he was talking about, I think it was that dream. Every radio, it's terrifying. You wake up sweating in the middle of the night because you think the radio is not on in your dream. It is the worst thing in the world. It goes away. 
It does go away. No, it away. doesn't. It doesn't go away from me. No, it didn't. Gary had it last night, matter of <laughs> fact. I, I still have to. The, for me, it's because uh, I worked in radio when it was CDs. I, yeah, I can't yeah. put the CD in the CD player or it's not there. Or it I can't reach it. Or, yeah. yeah, terrible. Yeah. It is. You know, And but there's... I, for me, it's changed and morphed into other things like uh, just, you know, something, somebody cussing on live radio or, you know, just uh, me not the the Twitter password changed for the station. You know, the, the login's different and I go a whole show without tweeting. It's the, morphed. The, the into, modern, the modern I was going to say, that's yeah. an advanced, you know, that's something Gary can't kind of relate to. It's yeah. morphed. So now I just have like the various ones every night. Yeah. I do have the podcast dream that uh, I haven't booked a guest or something like that. That, tre- that Trevor isn't here. What's he going to do? Oh, yeah. uh, so it, it kind of gets into a radio in, in 2018 at this point. It, uh, the part of just being on air is obviously it's the main part of the job, but it's a part of the job where uh, you're especially really active on social media. Is that pretty much uh, required? Thank you. Uh, yeah, it is. And where it where it is and it should be. <laughs> um I think now, uh, more than anything, when jocks are getting hired uh, by the program directors that get it, more than anything, they're looking for ambassadors of the radio station. That's what you are, first and foremost. Sure, you talk on the radio, but really, you are a promoter of the radio station. You are a a figure. You're someone that... um, you know, you're like the call center for the listeners. You you are interacting with the listeners and you are an ambassador for the radio station. So, um, you know, me doing what I can't do on air on social media is so important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very active on there. It's absolutely the reason why I got this job. All right. Speaking of the dreaded mobile phone and where people are nowadays, obviously, you know, one of the big I guess you can almost call it like the theme of this podcast in, in some ways, because we keep coming back to this topic um, that a lot of people are bringing up, which is streaming obviously is, you know, probably certainly the wave of the future, definitely the wave of the present. Um, When it comes to radio, which used to be such a big discovery platform, and now that's shifted to streaming where people find songs 24-7, no commercials, not the same songs every three hours. Why do people, or why should people still listen to the radio when so much of what radio historically has done has been moved to these nine ninety nine a month platforms. Yeah, the million dollar question. That's that's a question I ask myself a lot. You know, um, I it's tough because even you look at like iHeart and what a great job they've done with their app. You know, people look at it as a streaming service. They don't even know it's connected to iHeart to the radio stations you know they think they can it's just a streaming platform for radio regardless of the company they've done a great job Um, you look at that and even them they're really competing against themselves because they're giving you an option to listen to their local radio station or create your own playlist which one are you going to pick probably listening to your own playlist rather than listening to a radio station in San Francisco that and you're a New York guy or, you know, Providence, Rhode Island or wherever you're from. Um, So it's it's very interesting. And I think radio is is trying to figure out, figure it out. They need to figure it out. Um, Otherwise, you know, they're going to get left in the dust. But I think what radio does well is. is is the local aspect and also uh, the giveaways um you know 
Uh, hey, you can't we can't win a prize on Spotify. <laughs> you know, so but you have to really have you know you have to have good prizes, cash prizes. You have to have experiences, something really good that it can't be you know a fifty dollar stop and shop gift card. You know what I mean? It has to be something good. But uh, radio. It's the local portion, the prizes, but radio always shines when some catastrophe is going on, whether it's Mother Nature or, you know, in New York, we've had our fair share of, of things. Um, and, and that's when you see a spike in terrestrial radio, when people need to know what's going on in their community. Um, so uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not a daily thing. Right. So we can't capitalize on it every day. But when that happens, people immediately turn to to terrestrial radio. So I don't know if that answers it, but you know. I mean, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. Yeah. We're all trying to figure out if, if these things can coexist, how they coexist. Yeah. I, I feel like psychologically there's a, an element that a playlist you create for yourself and uh, the nice thing about radio is it's sort of like a curated playlist. You don't know exactly what's coming up, but sort of like radio does the work for you. So if you tune to a station that you know what they play, you still know you're getting the music you like, but kind of adds that surprise element a little bit. You don't have to do the work. So I think at least that for people who grew up uh, always with radio that I think maybe that's part of the appeal. Totally. Absolutely. You're, you're right. And I think for casual listeners quote unquote um, people that want the work done for them they're not necessarily going to go out and find their next new favorite song um, I think you know terrestrial radio does the work for them because you have to you have to realize even though a lot of people um, go out and and want exactly what they want to hear when they want to hear it a lot of people don't spend the time on that. So they do want, you know, they still hear a new Dua Lipa song or a, a new Maroon 5, what what we may have been like, oh, that's that's old news or whatever. Right. It's still people who have are juggling three jobs, have kids, stuff like that. They, they just don't have the time to do the research. So um, I think it still does expose the masses to uh, their next favorite song. And as long as uh, these radio towers exist, there's going to be local advertising. There's going to be national advertising. That's something that streaming services don't have. And there, there, there's still so many billions of dollars. Uh, radio is still such a huge business that as long as the money is there, I think radio, it's going to be part of the media landscape. But uh, uh, you know, for people to say radio is going away, it, I don't think it's happening yet. There's way too much money involved. But when is the money going to dry up? Right. Yeah. Changes absolutely have to be made. Uh, you know, and I, I talk to, um, you know, coworkers and, and friends in the business and stuff like that. And it is um, I think terrestrial radio needs to do a better job at um, like Spotify does a great job at having uh, exclusivity on artists for certain certain things. And that is such a driving force to to get people to listen in. Like you know, they're they're doing these vertical videos uh, that debut solely on Spotify, or you're they're debuting songs solely on Spotify. And radio has that power and that that leverage. It's just, it just needs to be 
utilizing it properly. Going back to what we were saying, you know, we have we have the local thing, we have the prize thing, and we also have access to the artists. So it's just about using them correctly, creating the content rather than um, recycling other people's content, creating the news and and really using that as an an appointment setter um you know so i don't know how they go about that but say you know we get sean mendez to promote hey on all intercom stations on monday the whatever i'm gonna be uh debuting a clip of my new song and also telling you about the the process behind it tune in at this specific time i think more of that will really um help us and you know over over in the uk and in england they do a great job with that stuff i don't know how the ratings how they're affected with it but bbc and and capital and all these places they are so content driven and even hot 97 here does such a great job i i think if every radio station in the country could be like hot 97 with the video content they put out and the the uh, what they do with artists i think we'd be in a much better situation than we are i watch the breakfast club clips i mean they're like an and hour it has long nothing to do like with good. you listening to them as a radio station you look to them as a hip-hop news source and that's what needs to happen people need to look at radio now as more than just you know it needs to be it needs to be multimedia. It needs to people need to be coming for them to to radio stations for more than just you know the the top songs or whatever. To that point, a lot of people think that that playlists are way too conservative, mm-hmm. and particularly when you know there, there's platforms out there, there's there's streaming, there's there's research, there's numbers that prove that this is what the youth, which is always the most desirable audience, wants. You may get you know one or two new songs every once in a while, but with with these with these programs that are getting a little smarter, you know, it's, algorithms are getting much better. They can give you fifty songs over the course of a day that you might like based on this. What do you think that radio playlists in general are are too slow moving, not picking up on particularly hip hop songs when the kids are showing week after week? Right. This is what we want. Play this. We'll be there. We like these songs. Blockboy JB coming to Fresh 1027. That's why I said in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why, you know. Well, I think there's a couple of things. I, going back to what we were talking about, I do think it, the personalities of the hosts need to shine more. Absolutely. That that has to happen. Like overseas, like in the UK and stuff like that. Grimmy Grimshaw is like one of my favorite uh, presenters. And, you know. Ooh, the, the, Br- the British word. I like yes, it. Yeah. I, I appreciate that word. It it. It's how it's how we should be viewed and how we should be treated as presenters that and I I feel like a lot of program directors, a lot of companies don't allow their jocks to be presenters. And so I think, you know, what another tool we have to fight off streaming is our personalities. And that absolutely needs to shine through. The problem is there's too much research. There's too much stats. And it's it's all old it, it's dinosaur it's archaic there you know you're going off meters that you know a handful of people represent your your listenership and a lot of these people that take meters are people that need the additional money you know that you're being paid to carry these meters it's just such a flawed system it's not like tv it's it's 
it's like a step ahead of diary, which is what we used to do, where they just send out surveys and you fill out which radio station do you listen to. It's terrible. And to to go off that for your livelihood of your radio station is ridiculous to me. So I think if they move away from that and get a better system, everything will a, a better rating system, everything will change. Um, I, I said this a while ago to a friend and I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you treated your terrestrial radio stations as a streaming service, so you had one app, take the iHeart app, for example, and then you you sell off, you get rid of, you know, all your stations above market number, whatever you get rid of all these stations Every station you own is now slightly different. Every terrestrial radio station you own is slightly different. You have you have the major market ones left. You have a classic rock station. You have an alt rock station. You have an EDM station. You have a... Ev- everyone is different. There is no... And then you present it as channels on the app. I think that's how radio survives. But anyone, any old man sitting at the top of any radio company is like you're effing crazy that's not gonna happen but you know you have to you're putting a band-aid over a shark bite like seriously you know so it's something has to change i I, I get playing the hits especially if it's your job to make sure that uh, you're still making money playing the hits is is the safe way to go but uh, you know even on a station uh, it's an adult top 40 station that's going to be a little bit more conservative i i wish most stations uh, even in that format uh, had uh, a, a category of new music even during the day i know it's easy to play new music overnight or late at night but just just a little something to spice it up i feel like a lot of radio stations could just have that surprise element a little bit more yes new music two o'clock i like it yeah. and i know radio is, it has different usage than streaming streaming is much more uh i'm going to curate this myself radio as we we're saying is a little more let radio do the work but yeah as, as we're saying i feel like there are uh, these steps forward radio certainly needs to take because it's eventually going to get to that point. Now, you know, you can see it because uh, look at in New York City, Light FM and WCBS FM have the most monstrous, huge ratings in the world. And you know why? Because their listenership is older. It's the people that still they will they don't even you know, I I my aunt and uncle listen to me in Connecticut, they think an app is an appetizer. They have no idea what that means. They, you know, those are, that's why Light FM and and CBS FM are getting monster numbers and, and Top 40 and Hot AC, leaning Top 40, are hurting right now because now, you know, that eventually is is gonna go away. So, you know, I, I think it has to, change and in the direction that you're saying if if you know they want to continue to thrive and and be around
All right, talking about uh, presenting content, you do a lot of interviews with artists. Yeah. Uh, Mike, any uh, any favorites that you've had over the years? Or least favorites. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite part of the job. I, I really enjoy, you know, I, I love... Um, Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace. I, I think he was one of he. I would probably put him in my top five for interviewers. Uh-huh. Um, Howard Stern as well. Um, you know, there's there's a, a lot of people growing up that I really you know even even Angie Martinez. But there's just a lot of people that I I appreciate the art form and and. Uh, what people do with it. So I've really like, you know, studied that. And I think the, the ones I'm most proud of are, I got to interview Obama. Uh, I got to interview Kanye and I got to interview um, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. And I think those ones were not only the biggest pinch me moments, but they turned out really well. Yeah. When did you interview Obama? Obama was when uh, he was, helping hillary with the campaign and um so this is like way into his presidency like the end of it yeah yeah yeah, towards the end of it and i was i was in philadelphia on air there at the time and pennsylvania was big you know a big issue they they really needed to win pennsylvania so uh my boss got a call from the white house and they were like hey uh Mike Arroyo, my my government name, they were like, we would like him to interview the president um, at this time on this day. And uh, he said, you know, he he was like, can I I know you're the White House. Can I put you on hold just so I can ask him real quick? And he called me on the other line and he was like, can you interview the president? And I was like, shut the hell up. I was like, you're stupid. And he was like, I have the White House on the other line. Can you interview the president? I was like, absolutely. Um, so it was just, nah, you yeah, know. No, I, I think I have something going on that day. Um, but it was just wild that um, they knew as much as they knew about me. And I think, you know, I, it's the, the government, the White House. So I think they knew my social reach and also uh, politically what my views are. I think they knew I'd be the best uh, candidate to to do that did you interview him right then or did you have time to prep for it it was like uh it was i think the, the following day okay um but it was cool because i knew he was a big basketball fan and college basketball fan and and villanova was doing some great things and so uh that was a little bit of the icebreaker and plus my wife and i just love him and his family so i was like you know i, I said to him uh, I, I opened the whole thing with, you know, I, I told my wife that I'd be talking to you and she was like, oh my God, maybe we'll become friends with them. And do you think we could have them over for dinner? And does he like Puerto Rican food? And that was like the opener. And he was like, I, I love Puerto Rican food. And he was like, what, what's her specialty? And that, that was kind of like the, the icebreaker. And he was just so cool. And we talked about basketball. We talked about music. We talked about his daughter being able to, uh, I think the, the following year or that year, she was going to be, uh, eligible to vote um so you know we were talking about that the the first time his daughter's going to be able to vote how he prepped her for that and then of course we got to the the nitty-gritty about you know hillary and and uh donald and and stuff like that but it was just such a great interview and um that was probably the last time i could remember that i was i was nervous going into an interview is it uh, but if you know if you know what you're talking if you prep enough for it uh that's kind of all the the defense you can have, right? Going into it. Sure, sure. Yeah. 
any uh, any advice for uh, for Trevor and me or anyone doing interviews? How do you get something out of someone where uh, even if you're nervous or if, if you're not? I think it's good to lead with something that um, is is very either puts you in your own comfort zone like that put me in my comfort zone telling him that story about my my wife because it was genuine and it made me feel like I was just you know kind of praising him a little bit but so that put me in my comfort zone and immediately started off the uh, interview in a very natural you know uh, laid back tone Um, and with Kanye uh, I knew uh, okay what, what era Kanye is this I feel like um, you're getting a lot of you a a huge range that you might be able to. This is when uh, him and Jay Z, like around the time uh, whatchamacallit came out. Oh, Watch the the Thrones. Okay, like 2012 or so. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, With Kanye, I knew what I might be up against. Uh, And so I think initially I knew my best bet was to explain to him how obsessed I was with his music and am with his music. So off the rip. I was like, dude, I am such a huge fan. I, I want to start at the beginning. How did you feel when you were featured on the Blueprint 2? You name name wasn't even credited on the back of the album, but you were on a Jay-Z song on the Blueprint 2. What did that even feel like? Was that the culmination of everything? And right then and there, he knew. He was like, okay, this kid's like a real fan. Right. And you know we didn't we didn't talk about kim we didn't talk about we it was just i really you know and the i think the highlight of the interview was once we started to become friendly and he knew i wasn't out for a tmz headline or anything like that i was like you know you've said that you're the greatest rapper of all time you're a genius but in the same breath almost you've said jay-z's the greatest rapper alive so which is it and he was like you know i say that but i'll never be as good as jay-z and to hear that from kanye you're like wow that was a cool moment so you know i i we spent over half an hour talking and his road manager was like we have to go and at the end of it he was like oh does your wife want a picture like you know i had my wife and my best friend was in town uh, visiting philly so he was like oh do, can we get a picture with your friend too and he was like just the nicest person in the world he looked miserable in his photo with me with my wife he's like smiling ear to ear i'm like kanye are you kidding me but it was just the coolest moment it was a great interview Howard Stern, you're talking about him. Uh, he, he said uh, he's known a lot of DJs over the years who uh, they come in right at the start of the shift. They leave right when it ends. And uh, the people he's seen be the most successful are the ones who put in uh, the extra hours doing uh, all kinds of prep before and after a shift. And uh, I think that's uh, sometimes you tend to forget that even even a 10 second break you're doing over an intro. There's probably a lot of work that went into that ahead of time. Absolutely. Just the the show prep and and the social media you're doing around it to promote whatever you're talking about or giving away the the teasing, because if you're not if you're not teasing it, if people don't know about it, what's the point? It's a a missed opportunity. Yeah, there's there's absolutely a lot of work behind the scenes. And I I think um, when you enjoy it, uh, you know, I'm I'm. I'm in a couple hours before my show and even on the train in I'm I'm doing work you know it's a all encompassing thing for sure
got from uh, interviewing Obama, Kanye. This, this has got to be a low point for you, Mike. You're here on, on the podcast with <laughs> me and Trevor. Just sitting with us. No, it's yeah. great. I love it. All right, Mike, uh, thanks so much for taking some time to uh, chat all things radio, Fresh 1027, yeah. uh, Obama, Kanye. Uh, really appreciate it. Hope I didn't uh, bring back the radio dream for you by mentioning that. It's, 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 it, just, it just morphs. It's never going away. Thank you guys so much. This was wonderful. <laughs> go with the top 40 hits in the nation this week on American Top 40, the best-selling and most played songs from the Atlantic to the Pacific, from Canada to Mexico. This is Casey Kasem in Hollywood, and in the next three hours, we'll count down the 40 most popular hits in the United States this week, hot off the record charts of Billboard magazine for the week ending July the 11th, 1970. Now on with the countdown. Number 40. Here's Marvin Gaye, his hit, End of Our Road. Like a kid behind the wheel You've been reckless with my heart Oh, if I stay around you Sure and tear it all apart Stay the road's got to end somewhere Honey, honey Every road has got to end somewhere Now is the time for the showdown So let me give you the lowdown That we've come to the end of our road And that would be the very first song you heard on the very first American Top 40 countdown this week back in 1970 that is of course the legendary Marvin Gaye with not one of his best known hits End of Our Road not to be confused with End of the Road the boys to mid smash right uh, ironic title for the first song ever on American Top 40 it was the beginning of a show that's now 48 years old 50th anniversary coming up in a couple of years of American Top 40. So as Countdown fans ourselves, uh, we thought it only appropriate to look back at one of the big Countdown institutions in American history. Really, you know, awesome to have a nationwide Countdown for the first time accessible across the airwaves and talking about all the history that the show made. And what it did for, for a couple of things for, for Billboard is uh, it really made Billboard more front and center for music fans because the magazine existed, obviously, since uh, 1894 and uh, charts uh, from the 1940s on. But uh, putting the Billboard Hot 100 on Top 40 radio that everyone was listening to uh, back then, no, no Internet. Uh, obviously, this is if you wanted to find out what the biggest songs were, suddenly there was a show that uh, presented uh, number 40 to number one in a way that just uh, suddenly Billboard was in a whole different platform. So I think Billboard owes a lot to American Top 40 for uh, for all those years of putting it front and center like that. Also, just the countdown premise. It feels like it's just something that's always been a part of pop culture at this point. But I think uh, Casey Kasem, uh, sort of synonymous with the, the word countdown at this point, uh, it started with American Top 40, just that, that really simple but built-in suspense. What's number one? make people wait to get there and you get to it eventually. That's how you keep people listening. You want to find out what number one is. It's really uh, just a perfect idea. Yeah, uh, big enough to make the front page of Billboard uh, the week that the show launched right there. Top 40 rock show aims for 150 U.S. cities. What's the name of the piece? 
the American Top 40, which features veteran rock jockey Casey Kasem. I don't think people think of Casey Kasem today as veteran rock jockey. American Top 40 is what you think of. That terminology just tells you a lot, doesn't it? Uh, Casey Kasem hosted it through 1988. I had just started listening to American Top 40 for a couple months, and then suddenly he he was uh, out. It was a contract uh, situation. Shadow Stevens took over. So uh, for me, actually, I listened most of the time when Shadow Stevens was the host. And then uh, late 90s, uh, went away for a little bit, came back. It's been hosted by uh, Ryan Seacrest ever since. Every sort of media platform. Somehow Ryan Seacrest is there. Uh, it's a different show, too, obviously. When Casey hosted it, it was it was pretty straightforward. It was very music, uh, chart, fact-based. No interviews. The idea was just for Casey to tell stories. Got a little little more lighthearted when uh, Shadow Stevens took over. And now it's really a pop culture show and seems kind of it's probably how it has to be in 2018. Uh, music and uh, movies and TV, everything uh, socially is just sort of uh, interwoven at this point. So feels like it's uh, not just a music show. It's about everything that's going on there. Uh, actors, musicians, uh, as guests all the time. It feels like it's kind of right in the center of pop culture. Yeah. I mean, of course, also realizing that you don't need to wait all the way till Saturday to find out what's 40 to 1. You can just uh, hop on your device and connect to any www.billboard.com and uh, figure it out. I'm old enough. It wasn't wasn't around 1970, but uh, I, Sunday mornings, it was a huge deal. To You knew it would come on at 8 o'clock, I think, Sunday mornings in Boston. And it's the one place you could find out. There might be a brand new song debuting the top four you never heard of pre-internet time where uh just kind of felt like you just you never knew what you were going to get. Uh, you might know what was in the top 10 top five number one but yeah for me it was always those songs uh debuting in the, in the late 30s that just added that element of surprise uh all right so we talked um at the top what was number 40 that week the very first song you had heard on the top 40 countdown marvin gay uh, i suppose is it only appropriate to leave our listeners with what they would have heard at the very tail end of the very first american top 40 that week's number one First, American Top 40, that's Mama Told Me Not to Come by Three Dog Night. Jackson 5, The Love You Save was number two. Uh, other uh, pretty well-known songs that's on that first chart. The Beatles, uh, no surprise, were in the top ten with The Long and Winding Road at number eight. Uh, Child, Five Stair Steps, original version. There have been so many remakes of that. It was number 12. Teacher Children, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, number 24. Stevie Wonder, Signed, Sealed, Delivered, I'm Yours at number 26. Aretha, number 35, Spirit in the Dark. So... Pretty good variety back then. Uh, rock, uh, soul, just uh, pop, a little bit of everything. Uh, so, uh, you know, the music, obviously, too, huge part of why American Top 40 uh, took off. Uh, it was the real the real star of the show. Uh, it was uh, Along with Casey, it was the music, of course. So just, uh, you can always think what would have happened if the show had started in the 60s when the Beatles had been around. Maybe it would have, uh, probably would have been successful right from the start, too. But still, 1970, you got all the 70s, 80s, just great uh, music all those years. And still going strong now. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Billboard Sharp Beat Podcast. We're going to take a little hiatus and be gone next week. Uh, I know all the Drake fans disappointed to hear because we will be missing the first full impact of Scorpion when it comes out next week. But when we get back uh, in two weeks, we'll recap all the action that we missed, any chart records that Drake may or may not set. And when we return, we're going to channel the spirit 
of American Top 40 Countdowns. We'll have our own countdown, 1988, talking with the act who was number one 30 years ago. And stay close to Billboard.com, uh, Billboard, uh, Twitter, everywhere uh, for all things Drake next week. We won't be here again, but pretty sure we'll be writing about Drake online next week. Yeah, I guess we can already say um, things we already know. Of course, the 25 songs are out. They've littered up the streaming services charts. Uh, in particular, already three days in, uh, kind of pulling the Adele of streaming, already has, we can confirm, broken the one-week U.S. streaming record by any album. So goodbye, Post Malone. Welcome back, Drake. Fun while it lasted for Post Malone. Just a few weeks. And we are likely to see the return of Michael Jackson to the Hot 100 next week uh, with the song Don't Matter to Me. Remember, a couple weeks ago, Drake had actually passed Michael Jackson's career total in terms of number of weeks at number one on the Hot 100. So uh, nice to see that they could still play nice, even though Drake took that record from him. So calling all Jackson fans, uh, Michael should be back on the chart next week. All right. Feels like we got to close with the Mariah song, right? We teased it. We got to talk about it. We got to play it. But yes. Uh, Michael Jackson, not the only legend inspiring Drake tracks these days. Mariah Carey, her 1991 number one hit, Emotions, sampled in the track Emotionless by Drake. Uh, fun fact for those who don't know, he actually takes the 12 inch single version. Yeah. And so, uh, not just, you know, not just the one that the regular plebeians have. This one is special. So uh, to close, we'll give you a taste of that, and we may very well see it back on the chart next week. Leaving me to not trust anybody I meet. Leaving me to ask, is there anybody like me? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.